0: I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. In this episode, we're diving into practical ways that athletes can create their own unique brand, grow their audience, and also take advantage of opportunities to partner with companies and brands that they're passionate about. To make sure that you get the very best tips and tools to get you started, we're talking with CG Young. He founded the CG Sports Company in 2016, and it's grown into one of the premier sports marketing firms in the industry. CG developed his love for sports at a young age, growing up as a competitive swimmer in the greater Seattle area. He holds an MBA from the University of Washington and a certificate in negotiation mastery from Harvard Business School. He also writes a weekly blog called CG Explains about all things athlete branding, sponsorship, and sports marketing. And because he breaks these things down into simple, easy, doable steps, I wanted him to come on Pursuit of Gold to show everyone exactly how they can get started building their own brand. During our conversation today, we discussed topics like name image likeness, what a brand is and how to create your own how to build an audience instead of just hoping for a viral social media post, and how to set yourself up for success even without an agent. We're talking about strategies to build your brand today, but it's also crucially important to have strategies to ensure you're confident during the most pressure-packed moments of competition. If you want to start harnessing your mental game, but you're not sure where to start, I've just created a brand new free guide with the top 10 mental skills that every athlete must have. It's a checklist, a guide, and a self-assessment all in one to help you kickstart your journey to confidence. Go grab your copy over at laurawilkinson.com slash skills. That's laurawilkinson.com slash skills. Before we get started, make sure you smash that subscribe button and give Pursuit of Gold a five-star review. And please tell your friends about this podcast, share your favorite episodes with them so that we can continue to improve and grow to that next level, bringing you more resources, tools, and inspiration. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode. C.G. Young, welcome to the Priscudical Podcast. I am so excited to pick your brain today.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me, Laura. I'm really excited to be here, and it's an honor. I think what you've done with this podcast and just the idea, um, especially with with your background and pedigree, is um, it, it's going to it's a really great thing and. I hope more folks and more Olympians can follow in your footsteps that you're paving.
0: Oh, thank you. I hope so. Well, I would love to start, if you can give us a little bit of your background. How did you get into sports and what was your sports journey like?
1: So I started off as a competitive swimmer at at a young age. So that's kind of my, I guess, sports background. And I, I was okay, nothing crazy, but I was good enough to walk on at a D1 program at the University of Washington from 2003 to 2007. So I swam there um, all four years. And then after college swimming was done is when my competitive career ended. I loved the sport of swimming. I loved the Olympics uh, in particular. And I was just really fascinated by obviously what, what you get to see on TV, but then also how it all comes together. Um, even from a young age, I was like really into it. And so that kind of was a hint where my future career might go. After college, I got into right into sales. Uh, I've always been that's kind of my skill set, but got right into sales, working at a few startups uh, in the Seattle area in tech. And one of them crossed over into kind of tech and sports and then eventually got a job at a sports agency in Washington, D.C., worked there for a few years and then took a break. It was a really, really demanding job. So I was traveling a ton. I was actually traveling more weekends throughout a year than I than than I was home. Oh, <laughs> um, it, it actually felt weird to be home uh, and not in a hotel. Like a hotel setting became more familiar to me <laughs> than my own.
0: That's not good.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, uh, maybe I need a break from sports. So got back into the tech side of sales and business, working at some software companies. And then as I was doing that, uh, clients began to approach me just one off saying, hey, would you help me with this contract or I have this uh, opportunity? I don't really know what to do. And so I just began doing some side work there. Really, it was more consulting than actual agent work, I would say. And it just kind of grew from there. I didn't really expect anything from it. I wasn't advertising for myself. I didn't have a website or anything at that point. It was all just word of mouth through the Olympic athlete community. But eventually, I started to sign full-on clients. Uh, starting off with retired Olympic athletes, and then working my way to active competing athletes. And then by 2017, I had a roster of uh, of almost 10 clients, as we were getting who who were like winning world championships, doing all sorts of stuff. And then that's when I made the made the full-time jump into uh, launching and running CG Sports.
0: Also, I, I love that this didn't just happen overnight. It was kind of this slow, like accidental walking into it, just helping some people. And then you got really involved. Like, that's really cool. But how how do you balance trying to have a full-time job with then you're getting the side gig that's turning into more of a full-time thing, but you're still working <laughs> at your job? Like, how do you know at what point is it time to let go or time to make a leap? Because that can be kind of scary, too, because you're like, well, the side gig's really picking up steam. But, you know, if I leave that, is this guaranteed? Because now I'm... Doing this thing right, like you're running your own business, versus you know having a what feels like quote a secure job, <laughs> you know.
1: I don't even know if I've ever shared this story. I, I don't know if I've even ever talked about this. Um, I think your question was was how do you know and, and how did I balance it all? I just made time. You know, it was I was very singularly focused, and I really loved what I was doing. So that was probably. Uh, and I know that sounds cliche, but I went from being very burnt out, and I. Uh, th- there was a few months stretch, maybe, I don't know, six months at the most where I just didn't touch sports. And then finally, athletes started to to reach out to me. And I really enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. I got to do things my way and kind of on the, the way I wanted to do it, uh, which really focused on telling the unique story of the athlete and selling that to a company and that to a sponsor versus just leading with here's how many medals they've won and because of that you should sign them and they use your product and here's a deal
0: right.
1: <laughs> like <laughs> and you know i i was like we could probably do a better job of getting a little deeper and a more authentic connection i didn't know it at the time but that that would serve as the blueprint for how we've eventually done some of our largest deals uh, and most successful ones which was really good but yeah you know it's nothing crazy i mean i was working on my lunch break i would get a little bit of work done in the morning and then in the evenings i'd come home and would put a few hours in and just really enjoyed it. It wasn't work to me. It was really fun. I enjoyed creating the marketing material, putting together the proposals, doing all of that. You know, and at the time I was kind of, I didn't realize it, but I was sort of building my own brand as a, I guess you could say, agent in the space, you know, getting to put my own fun touches and creative spin on things. So, Right,
0: your own voice, so to speak, right?
1: Yeah, my own voice. And working at the full-time company that I was at. It was definitely a good work environment. Uh, it was sales focused, which is can be pretty intense, especially at the end of every quarter. But it was never anything where after 5pm, I had to put in, uh, I could leave my work at the office, I guess is what I'm saying. It, it didn't require a ton of stuff outside. Um, because a lot of times that meant that you probably weren't being the most efficient with your time. So I was really lucky in that sense, that my job allowed me to... I didn't have to take it home with
0: me. Well, that's good. So what was this like when you kind of took that first, you know, leap of faith, so to speak, to to start this business of yours? Was that I mean, obviously it sounded like you loved what you were doing, so I'm sure it was exciting. Like what were your first steps? Were you just like doing it all solo? Did you bring people aboard to help you right away or how did that kind of develop?
1: So the first couple months I was doing it all solo. And then by that summer I (laughs) I hired an intern and a part time employee to help me and just help me manage the growing volume of business that was happening we kind of carried on like that for about a year or so and eventually i would have more help and it was always part-time or like short-term contract or or an or internships and things like that and then it started to become clear that i would eventually have to make a decision of doing this full-time or not but i i knew that i couldn't i was running out of bandwidth yeah and so i made this plan this idea of okay i need this amount of money in my account and then that'll give me enough runway to be able to leave. And I figured I would need about another six to seven months to be able to get there. And so that would put me into somewhere in the middle of 2018. I think about two months into that plan, Laura is when I pulled the plug and I just and I just went for it. <laughs> so like, yeah.
0: Oh really? Like had you made that amount you had planned on, or, did, or were you just like, forget it? I'm doing this. No, <laughs> I hadn't.
1: I came up with this a elaborate plan and I was like I did the math and then on month two of it I just scrapped the plan and just went for it.
0: I feel like this sounds like my MO for so many things. I'm like, I'm gonna do all you know what? I'm just gonna start. I just need to start right here, right now and just do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like I wasn't even close to the dollar amount that I needed. But it was just a it was a gut feeling. It was a if you don't do this now and you don't start right now. And part of it was timing and maybe a little superstition. I didn't want to make a decision. I wanted to roll into the new year. I wanted to roll into the new year uh, already having made a big decision and be started on the new thing. I didn't want to wait until several months into the new year to make this huge life choice. I was like, I just want to do it now. And so i that was a big big reason of it for me.
0: That's awesome. Well, did you from the start, I mean, because I know it started slowly, just helping people with contracts, then helping them with sponsors. But like when you decided to kind of jump in and you're like, I'm doing this, this is my thing. Did you have this big vision? Because like you started by just helping athletes with contracts and sponsorships, but now you have like a publishing arm, you do camps, you build brands, like you do so many different things. Like, was that always part of the vision?
1: No, that was never a part of the vision. I never could have envisioned that. I had no idea that it would it would come to it. A lot of it was just through learning and experience a lot of failure and going back to the drawing board and seeing how could I have done this better or what could I do next time that would remove some of these roadblocks I encountered this time. That actually was a huge piece. So one thing I did do is when I started to do the agent work and at the time the business was called cg consulting and it was just me doing one-off contracts for clients um, for athletes once we started doing the marketing and started really actually helping them build their brand things like logo creation websites um, you know all of that because i realized the more of those types of assets that an athlete had the easier it was to sell them in the market position them in the market and get the attention of sponsors and then we changed the company name to cg sports management i'm trying to think when that was i can't remember 20 Seventeen or twenty eighteen, something like that, and that's when we started to do more. We expanded our our services and what we would help athletes create, and then eventually monetize. Uh, and so started to do that. And then once the pandemic hit in twenty twenty, that was a really scary time and really really wild. And we were just kind of lucky because we had actually been doing a lot of virtual paid engagements, virtual content using Zoom and using other programs that were better than Zoom through a lot of 2019. And so very weirdly, when everything shut down, we had this nice little platform where we moved everything to virtual streaming and all of that stuff. And we, we were producing a crazy amount of digital content because we were set up for it.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was really wild. Through that, that's where we got into podcasting. That's where we developed this thing called the CG Sports Network, where at one point we were running, we were running hour-long programming from three thirty to four thirty every single day, Monday through Friday, and then one on Saturday.
0: Whoa! What what was on that network? Like, what was the content?
1: So you know, in in like March April of twenty twenty, everyone started running webinars, right? And I was like, well. We have our athletes and each of our athletes has a thing that they talk about. So I got the whole group together. So we had like Josh Davis, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Beisel. We had some coaches, Kristen Chef chunas Tony Armstrong, Dr. Megan, Christy Kowal. And each of them had a, had a pick to market and a thing that they could talk about. Like Josh was motivation Monday. Tony had like confidence Tuesdays. Katie Hoff was doing a dry land workout on Saturdays. Like it was, it was wild. Elizabeth had silver linings, the silver lining talk show where she would bring on guests and they all could bring on guests. And I held this meeting and put up a slide that showed the NBC lineup of, uh, you know, Seinfeld on Thursdays, (laughs) Home Improvement on Wednesdays, 30 Rock on Tuesdays. And I was like, this is what we are trying to do and then i showed another slide where we had the graphics of each of their shows really beautifully made and it was really cool and they all were so pumped because they saw what they what what the goal was and so we began to do that and that's how we got through the pandemic we eventually ended up selling a license to a swimming media company that wanted to purchase it oh wow and broadcast it through all their channels so that was kind of where we expanded and then we started to get into publishing that was a crazy story too i think To answer your question, the pandemic really removed the ceiling for creativity for me, where it was this weird time where I could try anything I wanted to because no one was there, was no sports going on. And that's where we really expanded into publishing, into our brand service, which is called Brand Camp, where athletes who maybe don't have the huge followings perhaps are still trying to achieve their athletic accomplishments, but they can still get the resources that our pros get.
0: I absolutely love this. And I, and I love that you touched on like, you kept changing and pivoting when you learned that something didn't work or something you could have done better, like just like in sports and just like we learn in sports, like failure is part of the process. And it's not something that should feel fatal or be the end or yeah, it can be frustrating, but like, you've got to be able to remove yourself from it a little bit emotionally and say, okay, what can I learn from that? And how can I improve, change, you know, and get better for the next time. Like we just got to start looking at that differently. because you looked at it as like, this is my next stepping stone, you know, and you were creating all of this stuff from the last thing. I loved it in the pandemic. I love that it wasn't this like wall for you in the end of something. It was like, wow, this has just unleashed me. It took off the ceiling. You said like, that is so cool that it was like free to you. And I think Part of the way we approach, whether it's sports or business or anything, is, is our perspective. And if we look at it as a roadblock, it will be a roadblock. But if we look at it as an opportunity, it's an opportunity, right? And so I, I love that you touched on kind of your brand camp and athletes starting off. Like, do you want to go? Because I, I really want to talk about that. And I want to talk about NIL, too. Like, which one do you think would be best to start with?
1: Uh, let's talk about the brand. because It kind of uh, sort of is the genesis of all things.
0: Yes. And I wish something like this was around a million years ago when I was kind of dabbling because I feel like I've just kind of tried a bunch of stuff, too, and piecemealed things together and, and kind of been my own little advocate for so long. So let's dive into that. Like, what is Brand Camp? Why do athletes need it? Who is it right for? And what do athletes need, I guess, too, like that are coming up the pipe that want to start getting out there? Kind of give us all the things.
1: <laughs> I think it's important to understand and start with what is a brand and what is your brand. Your brand is how you are perceived by the market and how you want the market to perceive you and understand you. And it is the, let's say you distilled down to three words or themes, like this is what my brand is for myself, like as in CG slash CG sports, but it's creativity, it's hard work, and it's fun. Those would be the three things that I would say are my personal brand. Now that I know that, the content that I try to put out there is going to drop into one of those three buckets, more or less. And that is the impression that you know you're doing it right when if someone comes back to you and says, Hey, I was on your website, uh, I was on your social media, I read this thing, and I just get the sense that you're really creative, fun, and hardworking. Then you know you've, you, you have done it.
0: Nailed it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And eventually, It may start with just your friends, your family who are going to be saying those types of things, but eventually it will be sponsors. Maybe it's going to start off with in-kind only and product deals, but they just really love what you represent and they get a sense of it without having ever spoken to you. That's like the thing. For example, if I'm watching you uh, dive, I'm getting such a small aspect of your life and personality. I'm just getting you doing this sport, but I'm not getting the whole picture and everything you have to offer to the market, and so that's what we really try to help these athletes begin to develop, begin to tease out, and go from there. You know, a good exercise that we have uh, some of our athletes do is we say Google yourself and see what comes up. Usually, you know, if you're at a high level of sports, it's probably going to be results. Probably going to be a lot of articles where your name is mentioned in results. But if you have a something that you're really passionate about, where you've actually done a lot of work. Uh, What's an example? Uh, Elizabeth Beisel. So if you've done a lot of work in um, ocean sustainability and raising money and awareness around your local community in Rhode Island, as well as other areas, that's a great story. But if I can't find that anywhere, there's no way that a sponsor is ever going to realize that or see that or get that social proof. And so that's where we really try to develop those aspects. And all that goes into an athlete's brand. And that's where we came up with the idea of Brand Camp, which is our company helps an athlete identify all of those things, distill it down to a very clean story. And then we bring that story to life digitally through marketing material, through website creation, through other assets, and then we launch it back out into the market.
0: And so do you take your athletes like one-on-one through this or is it like a course you do? What does that process look like?
1: We take them one-on-one through it. Oh, nice. We take them one-on-one. They work directly with our creative director, Nicole. We have resources along the way. So I'd say it's kind of a hybrid where there's a lot of self-service materials that they go through, videos that kind of guides and everything. But then we actually do the building and the coaching along the way. And then once it's launched and it's done, then they're provided with a ton of resources um, that they get as a client or as a customer that shows them on here's how to here's how to promote yourself on LinkedIn, here's how to reply to a company that DMs you on Instagram. If you have a brand that really catches your eye, here's here's exactly what to say to reach out to them via email and tell you what, here's a message you can copy and paste and use.
0: I love that you guys use the athlete and like kind of dig it out of them and you help them, you know, realize how awesome they are, honestly, and how to present that to other people. And and you're also teaching them how to talk to people, which I think is so, so huge because sometimes it's really hard, especially for us not so outgoing um, athletes. I, I know it sounds weird because I host a podcast, but I've always been very introverted and I'm not a super outgoing person with people I don't know. And it's, it's always been really hard for me to be a cheerleader for myself. And I've talked to other athletes who are like, it's not hard. You just tell them this and you tell them that. I'm like, but I can't do that. You know, so to have the tools to like this is what you say, this is how you communicate. Like, I think that is so huge. It sounds so small, but athletes listening, this is a really big deal. And, and I guess from there, do you also help them find sponsors or is it really just helping them find their sponsors in those deals?
1: Depending on the level of the athlete, at the end of the day, we're still a boutique agency. And so we want to be able to provide a high quality and high level of service to athletes who are with us on a full service contract. Brand camp is really meant for getting athletes to a place where they can be more marketable and go from there. We actually have a, uh, I think I did a CG explains on this, but it's like, this is the checklist of the six things you need to have in place before you're truly ready for having an agent or, or if it even makes sense to have one. And it's something like having a website. Having access to really great, beautiful, high res images of yourself that can be used. And then uh, th- there's a couple other things, you know, having a brand story, understanding what that is, and even doing some strategic posting around that. And then the sixth one is you're getting regular inbound requests for paid opportunities at a fairly, I would say, a monthly cadence, not things like, hey, We'll give you some product, use this code, and then we'll give you 15% of sales. Like, No, not that. Like Actual true requests. If you have all those things, then it really does make sense. Then I would say you're market ready to have someone out there advocating for you. If you're not quite there yet, you can certainly have an agent who's going to be out there getting your name out to brands. But those brands, what they're going to do is they're going to look at what you've posted. They're going to look at what else you have. And if you don't have any of those things, the conversation is going to stop. And so we actually educate our athletes because no one knows this. They don't teach this. And so we provide a lot of resources that says, hey, here's the things you actually want to be focusing your time on. And then the market will let you know and go in from there. So for the athletes that are in that category, we work with them very strategically on what is their market and who are the big players there or it doesn't have to be big and let's start to form relationships.
0: I think this is great and I will definitely link in the show notes to the CG Explains He's got so many blog posts in there of things like that, checklists and, and different things to get started. Even have rate cards of like, you know, how you can value your appearances and what things could be worth if you're at this level or at this level. And I just think that's so awesome because there this resource isn't out there anywhere. You know, so the fact that you're providing things like this for athletes, it's a goldmine. So if you are an athlete listening that needs this information, like you have to go check out his blogs. They're fantastic. So At what point, like with a brand, do you think it's good to start doing that? Like, Because with the NIL, which I'm going to just be honest, name, image, likeness, that it was not around when I was like in college and doing all that. I don't really understand it. So what is the difference between that and like needing a brand to start finding sponsors? Like, do you need a brand for NIL or should that be like after college? Like, what's the difference here?
1: I always advise athletes to start or even it doesn't have to be athletes. We have coaches that we work with. We even have other businesses that we work with. I always advise athletes to start with the brand first and build that story out first and foremost, because sponsors will come and go, brands will come and go, paid deals will come and go. If you're only spending your time being someone else's advertising vehicle, that comes at the expense of building your own brand, if that makes sense. It's a double-edged sword. You really want to spend your time on building your own brand. Because at the end of the day, whether it's NIL, whether it's pro, you're talking about yourself as a product in the market. And so the more valuable you can make your product, the better it's going to be for potential sponsors or partners or paid deals and things like that. That is what attracts the attention. So that's why we talk to our athletes and we say, look, all these personal photos of you on your Instagram are really nice. But having professional images, professional imagery, if you're able to get your hands on those and reaching out to those photographers and asking for the original copies and posting those can really elevate how you're perceived in the market, if that makes sense. And so that's something that we really try to impart on them and and going from there. I think with NIL, it's a great opportunity for what otherwise would have been amateur athletes. But I think they sometimes, you know, you hear all these really, really great NIL success stories and all of that stuff, but you hear them once and then you never hear it again. And it's because that deal will happen and it's really great. But for an athlete who isn't a huge star or has a huge following, it's going to come and go very quickly. You want to make sure you're building your brand as well, because that's where partnerships are really going to stand the test of time.
0: So what can you explain then NIL a little bit for us and like how athletes can best take advantage of it?
1: So NIL is is essentially you can now as a collegiate athlete or even a high school athlete, you can now you're open for business. You can now work on a paid relationship with potential partners, companies. There are some restrictions uh, within that. You know, I don't think NIL allows for bonuses or performance bonuses based off of, you know, how you've ranked or how you've placed at certain competitions, particularly in a college space. So there are some limitations, but really it's a company can say that they work with you on a paid basis and both parties can benefit from that. So, you know, it means you're available now to do social posts, to do uh, potential appearances, to do commercials or video or, or things like that. A lot of it is going to be on social, But that's kind of the lay of the land. What I think athletes should consider and take into mind is this may sound a little like businessy, but really think of yourself, not yourself, but think of there's you, the person, and then there's you, the product in the market. And think about those two things. And if someone wanted to work with you, start to wrap your head around, okay, what is it that I would offer in a standard working package? You know, just what would that be? perhaps it's I'll make two Instagram feed posts for you as well as five story posts. And I value that at this amount of money. And that's kind of my standard thing. So that you have that already prepared. We talk about that in our... I think I have a blog on how to set up your own rate card and rate sheet that breaks down all these different things.
0: It's great too, by the way. So please go check that out. It's a really great starting point for sure.
1: Having that even if you just jot it down in your phone, is going to make you so much more prepared for when a brand does come your way. Or someone might introduce you to a company, the company is going to ask you, hey, this looks great. How do we work with you? And if you don't really know, you don't want to start off that way. You want to have something where you can present because that shows that you're a viable business and product, if that makes sense.
0: Well, besides social posts, is there anything that like college or high school athletes do you think could be good at doing that would be a good opportunity for them as well? I guess you can't make the performance bonuses, like you said, but to me, it seems like NIL is really just like getting any other sponsorship type deal. So what would be, besides a social post, a good starting point for somebody kind of getting into this arena?
1: If you are a NIL athlete, what you want to do is you should have somewhere maybe it's a blog maybe it's a pinned social media post for example where you recap your your story it doesn't have to be really really long but go through what kind of the ups and downs that you've gone through to get where you are this is the what what we call the why should someone care <laughs> like <laughs> checkbox yeah if you can have this, this is probably the most valuable thing that you can ever send to a potential company. Or if a company comes to your page and they want to learn about you and this is the first thing that's pinned up there, then that is what they'll click on and they'll be like, "Oh wow, this person more than their social media following really resonates. Like it's like they're reading about themselves or about their company and they see that in you." That's where the perfect Venn diagram of athlete and sponsor, can occur. And here's the honest truth about that is no agent, doesn't matter how good they are, can ever tell that story as good as an athlete can in their own words. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) It really is the responsibility of the athlete to be putting that out there and making it known.
0: Do you recommend doing a reel or like a couple of slides, like a carousel of posts? And I guess maybe it depends on the, the social channel that you like to use. And is there a best social media channel to use for this?
1: I'd probably say Instagram is going to be the big one. That's typically the best. A reel could be great. That could be maybe show like a fun aspect of your story. Uh, a carousel that's pinned at the top is a great one. You could also do highlights where maybe it's you on camera, just kind of talking through different different aspects of your journey. And it's intermixed with photos and you giving a live narration. It's whatever floats your boat or whatever you're most comfortable with. You could do all three. But if you did something like this, a marketing director at a company is going to see that. And they are not only going to be impressed with your story and the content, they're also going to think, oh, wow, this athlete understands how to market themselves. And that is going to make you more of a great choice than your competitors who perhaps don't.
0: No, I think that's a, a really big deal. You talk a lot about like the importance of building an audience versus like hoping and praying for a viral social media post to get you attention. What is the importance of building an audience? How should athletes start doing that?
1: The So building an audience, it's important for a lot of ways, but what we have found is you are taking people on the journey with you. You are taking them on your successes, fun things you have coming up, um, recent goals you may have accomplished or lessons learned. And you're building that audience because more people who relate to what you're going through or what you're doing or what you're trying to accomplish are going to follow you and they're going to support you for that. When we work with our clients, specifically what we say, and we actually do this as part of Brand Camp, the most effective way that we have found to get audience engagement and really make a connection with an audience is through email marketing. This is through building a newsletter. The reason this is so powerful is because... And the reason email is so powerful is because one, it creates a one-to-one relationship with the reader. Two, it's delivered to their inbox. They open it, they're reading it, and they are not scrolling through Instagram where... They're going to look at your thing. You've got maybe two seconds to capture their attention, and then they're going to keep scrolling. They are engaged. And it's actually kind of cool. Sometimes we even track this and we see how long people are able to spend um, reading certain pieces of content and whatnot. And then number three is you can control the message that you're saying and what you're sharing to your audience, and it's going to make an impact. And it's a great way for people to see, wow, this is I'm getting almost like an inside behind the scenes look into how into Elizabeth Beisel's life or uh, into what Mackenzie Cohen has coming up. This is really great. And so it begins to build that authenticity. And eventually when you have a I don't know, an ask that you want from your audience, they're far more likely to participate and even share it with their networks.
0: I love this so much because, too, when you're putting out social media posts, a lot of people think, well, I have all these followers, they see all my stuff, but I think they said like, you know, maybe three to 6% of your followers will see any given post or story or reel or or whatever. But, you know, and so then to try to get them to click on something or click the link in your bio, maybe it's like 1%, you know, but if you're getting directly in their email inbox, I mean, doing good, if you get 30, 40, 50, even 60% people can open it and will see it and a lot more people are going to interact with what you're doing and you're becoming an expert on you or your field or whatever it is, and they're starting to trust you and you know, just get to know you as kind of an expert in your field, uh, whatever that is, or just storytelling and they're along cheering you on in the journey, whatever that is. I think that's really, really important.
1: It's a great way to show a little bit of business and marketing acumen for yourself as an athlete. It's a great way to... you know, We've all probably been to events where people will give you their business card and say, Hey, let me know how we could ever work together or let me know how I could ever help you. That's a great contact to add to your newsletter list and going from there. So it's definitely a powerful tool to have.
0: That's awesome. So do you think business cards are something good for athletes to print up or is that kind of old school and they should just tell them where to go on social media? Or what way do you think for athletes if they're out talking to somebody and they want to share who they are, how to get in touch with them?
1: I think having a business card is good, especially if you have gone through the links to create your own personalized logo, you want to get that logo on everything. Yeah. <laughs> get it on merchandise. Get it on notebooks. Get it on a Tumblr that you you know that you drink out of, get it on um get it on your social media. And yes, put it on business cards, especially if you are out there trying to trying to book future business. Or, you know, if you travel a lot, exchange cards with people. We have athletes who do this. I think getting a set of business cards, you could probably get a couple hundred made for I don't know, 99 bucks or something that are really nice, high quality. But when you're out there exchanging that with people, it leaves an impression. It's part of your brand. People are often impressed that you have done this and creates that relationship. So that's um, definitely something I recommend. I don't think it's old school. And even if it is old school, it stands out because maybe not a lot of people are doing it. (laughs)
0: That's true. That's true. Now it's unique, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, we had a client who he went to do a swim clinic in Palo Alto. So he's, uh, he trains in in Florida and he went and did a swim clinic in Palo Alto. And he was savvy enough to know that there's probably going to be some, could be some fairly influential folks at the event, you know, parents, right? In that specific area. So he came prepared to do just a little bit of very casual networking. And all he did is just say, you know, hey, I'm a, this is my journey. I currently work with these companies, but but I am open for more potential partnerships. And if any of you are interested, I, I'd be happy to loop you in with my team and talk. And one guy came up to him and actually works at a large health private equity firm and said, I'd be very interested. Here's my card. Please give this to your team. Nice. <laughs> and I think. Two or three months later, we closed a sponsorship deal for him for two years.
0: Oh, wow. That's a big one.
1: Yeah. That's what I mean about building your brand, like building that out there so that you understand that executive at that company happened to go to that clinic and he got to experience this athlete and he got a sense of what this athlete's brand is in a 360 way. So what it means is he probably received an email that promoted the athlete to attend, you know, hey, come and attend this event and clinic. And uh, he signed up for it and paid as a customer. And then he actually got to see the athlete in person, engage with the young people, speak and, and share his story. And we work with them on how to share their story in a strategic way so that it's your brand story. But he got to hear that. That probably really made him feel a connection. And then finally, there was a call to action. And he acted on it and boom.
0: That's awesome. He was just set up for success. That was perfect. See, it's all that preparation that goes in beforehand. That's really important. So as we're talking about building an audience and making sure we're putting out things on social media that will draw people in, like what are good things that athletes can think about besides maybe just their everyday workouts? Like what kind of things should they be posting or sending out to this growing email audience? Like how often should they do these things? What's kind of do you have kind of some basics for that?
1: I do, and I actually have several articles that tell you exact that answer these questions exactly, and even give you a blueprint on what to do. I'll break it down real quick here.
0: So when we link to it later, is that all in the CG explains?
1: It is, yeah.
0: Okay, there we go.
1: So for social media, I think it's pretty simple. You want to do something that shows your life or shows you outside of your sport it is really important. So we work with a lot of swimmers, and I try to impart on all of them. It is really important that you have a nice mix of photography that is not always you with your cap and goggles on.
0: Because <laughs> nobody knows what you look like.
1: <laughs> because no one knows what you look like. like. When they are at photo shoots with their swimsuit companies or sponsors, I always try to ask the company and say, please make sure you get photos of the athlete without their cap and goggles on so we can build that up. That's a really important thing. So doing that as well, the training videos, the training montages, those are always great. Those are easy things to do for reels and just, you know, rack up the views and the shares by doing that. You can put a personal spin on it and say, this is what I do on Thursdays for my power day. And people love that type of stuff. If you can just put a little personal touch and let folks know that this is what you, the athlete do, they go crazy for that. And then I think the third thing to post is share something about your story. Give them a little fun facts, right? And going from there, uh, maybe you have a close connection. You're very fond of your hometown. Share a little bit about that. And that's, that's kind of the three-pronged approach that you can't really go wrong with.
0: That's a great starting point. What about email? Is like we're growing an email audience. What, what are important things to keep them engaged? And like, how often should we be sending emails out to people?
1: So I'll, I'll give you the exact template. That we ourselves do, and that we help our athletes do. So, open up with a just a nice little paragraph, you know, kind of your welcome message to the audience. You can share, "Hey, here's some of the most recent things that I did. I'll share more with you below, but here's kind of what I've been up to." But it's just kind of the uh, the hello welcome message from you, the athlete, and it's a paragraph at most. And then you know, sign your name at the bottom. And then from there, what we do is, I think the section is literally called. We have a template that we have them fill out. And I think the section is called cool things that have happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice.
1: And we keep it to a max of three. And this is where you just write two or three things that have happened recently. If there's a link, there's a social post, if there's a news thing about it, if there's a photo you can include, great. And then the next one is what's coming up for me and go ahead and list a couple of future events, things that you're doing, things you're working on, fun projects, all that stuff. End with a fun fact about yourself that no one else would know unless they read this newsletter. Oh, Yeah. And then close out with a call to action that's like available opportunities. If you want to book me for speaking or you want to discuss becoming a 2024 partner or sponsor, click here to reach out and my team will reach out to you.
0: Nice. Man, that is an awesome template. How often should they send out an email like that?
1: If they can send an email out like that, once per quarter.
0: Oh, okay. That's all.
1: So once every three months, they are so far ahead of the game.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's so doable. (laughs) It's like four times a year. Like That's not bad at all.
1: It's the sitting down and getting it done that is the hard part. Filling it in is not difficult, but carving the time out, blocking out an hour and getting it done, that's the rub. So we advise once per quarter... Honestly, if you can do it twice a year, you're still doing just fine.
0: Oh man, that's awesome. That that guy's worth like blocking an hour out of your schedule to get this thing done. Totally worth it because you do get that powerful connection with people. They start to know you, like you, trust you, and you become their resource and their go-to for things. So it's really important to build it for for sponsors and things like that, but also for whatever might be in the future for you because who knows where life will take you in your sport or even after your sport, right? Well, CG, this has been amazing. Are there any other kind of quick tips or anything like that for athletes kind of getting started on this journey?
1: I think one big thing is just you may be feeling a lot of pressure. This may be overwhelming to do all of this stuff. And it is totally okay to not want to do any of this. Don't feel any pressure, extra pressure that you have to. Don't compare yourself to other athletes that you may see or your peers or whatever. Really, do you? And if there's one thing you want to try, then just just do the one thing. It's totally fine. If it's exhausting, that's okay. Take some time and come back to it later. You know, you're doing all of this is not easy. It can take a team. You know, that's why we're here, and that's why we created the service that we did. But none of this is more important than managing your own personal well being. And I feel like when, when you look in the market, it may seem. Like, there's all this success and things happening, but your own personal well being is the most important thing. You know, if you're feeling good about that and you want to try to implement one or two of these things, that is the perfect way to go.
0: Very well said. That's super important because you, as a person, are the most important thing more than your brand or your identity or, or any of this stuff. If you are up for it, starting, just picking one thing to get started with is great like just get started you know just try one thing i would encourage you and just kind of move into the space a little bit and it's you know like we talked about it may go great it may fall flat but then learn from that and then try again and just keep going it's it's a process it's a journey just like your sport you know it takes time and consistency and some patience to learn all of these things and cg i just love what you and your company are doing i think it's a huge asset to athletes like me, who I feel like I've just been duct taping things together and watching people and trying to figure it out on my own, and um, I love that you have this whole template for people coming forward. So I will definitely be telling people and sending people to your brand camp and to um, your explains blog and all of those things. So thank you so much. Uh, we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Is there anywhere else we should follow you besides CG Sports?
1: No, I mean we we have our Instagram at CG Sports Co. You can follow us there. We post a lot of things there that link back to our website. Probably the single best thing to do would just be to go to our website. There's a section where you can subscribe to our newsletter. I actually have a direct link I can send to you, Laura, and we can put it in the show notes if that's cool. Perfect. And go from there.
0: Awesome. CG, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing all of this super valuable information and tools with us today.
1: Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production that's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.